Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 14. If you'll please turn in your Bible with me to Romans chapter 13, as we read 8 through 14 this morning. I love a childlike faith. Don't you love the love of a child? Isn't the love of a baby just precious? I can walk up to any baby in this church and just kiss all over their face and they just grin because they love it. Little do they realize they're probably thinking, get your germs off of me, preacher. I just love babies. All, all of my daughters, it was something precious every time I would come home. Just to be able to be in the presence of my babies just brought a lot of joy. Isn't that something how babies do that? They just, you smile, they smile and it's just overwhelming. And uh, with all my girls, it's been a joy through life just uh, to love them and to build a household of faith, a household of love with my girls. And one thing that I think really the Father looks at all of us is we should have that childlike faith and actually even go to Him with that same level of love and commitment and devotion that a baby comes to Him. He says, come unto me, all you children. He said, come unto me. Because He knows just that fuel and that love. Can you imagine ministering amongst adults all the time, but having the great privilege and opportunity to be able just to speak to a, a child? What an encouragement. When I see kids running in a church and I come along and watch the kids run around and have fun, there's nothing greater than seeing the love of a child. And I often reference that as the love that I have for my father. That he, he gets excited when we all get the opportunity to come and be a part of his worship of His focus, of His praise during our Sunday morning hour that we have together. A man called the police and reported that all of his wife's credit cards had been stolen. Then he added, but don't look too hard for the thief. He's charging less than my wife ever did. A man was once boasting to an acquaintance, we have a whole room full of furniture from France. That goes back to Lois on the 14th. That's nothing, replied the other. We've got a whole house full of furniture from Sears. That goes back to Harry on the first. Isn't that terrible? We brag about what we have, but we don't have enough money to pay for it, so we've got to give it back. How sad is that? Verse 8 says, Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of a sleep, and now is our salvation nearer than we ever believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly. Let us walk properly, as in the day, not in writing and in drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and in envying. But pee ye on the Lord Jesus Christ to make not provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof, but to love one another. What does that mean when it says in verse 8, Owe no man anything. It means pay your debts, pay your bills. Don't try to get out of paying them. Does this mean that you can't charge anything and pay it off? No, it doesn't. But it does mean that whatever you charge, you should pay for it. 
Two lawyers were in a bank when armed robbers suddenly burst through the door. While several of the, of the robbers took the money from the tellers, others lined the customers up, including the lawyers, up against a wall, and proceeded to take their wallets, their watches, anything they had on them that was of any value. While this was going on, lawyer number one jammed something in lawyer number two's hand. Without looking down, lawyer number two whispered, What is this? To which lawyer number one replied, it's that $250 I owe you. That's a dirty trick, but it's also a dirty trick to try and get out of indebtedness. Isn't that amazing? Might as well, I'm going to get rid of it anyhow. Oh, here's the money I owe you. Let him take it from you. Isn't that sometimes how we are? Rob from Peter to pay Paul. Well, none of us like having an indebtedness and paying bills. It seems like they will always be with us too, to some extent. But here's the main thought to this text. Oh, no man anything but to love one another the one debt that we will never fully pay back is the debt of love to who to all mankind we will owe this debt until the day we die and while we live we must pay this debt as often as possible and as much as possible and to all who will come our way so i must sing it what's love got to do with it got to do with it What's love? See, I, I love church. They're like, wow, pastor, you're pulling some stuff off in, that, in the pulpit. But, you know, what's love got to do with it? It's amazing. <laughs> Tina Turner's big single hit that came back out in 1984. I was really in my prime of life. I was 14 years of age. <laughs> and, uh, and we presume that she was talking about her relationship with her former, former husband who since has passed away from drug overdose. Perhaps that was how she truly felt about their relationship. What's love got to do with it? Perhaps love had nothing to do with the relationship, but it should have a lot to do with it. So let's think about this continuing debt of love that we must pay today. Three points, three thoughts that I want to give you this, this morning. What's love got to do with marriage? What's love got to do with raising kids? And what's love got to do with this life? Let us pray. Father, we come to you today, and Lord, we're grateful for your word Father, we're grateful that we can think about what's love got to do with it and to laugh and, and Lord, realize that it is an act. It's something that we show. Oftentimes people think it's an emotion. And when we get upset with somebody, we stop loving. Love never fails. That love does not puff itself up. Love is not envious. And Lord, we just thank you that as in your word in 1 Corinthians 13, that Love was the, the defining factor of who we should be and who we are in you. So today, help us to know the importance of what's love got to do with it. Love has everything to do with it. And so, Lord, hide me behind the cross. Help this to resonate in the hearts and lives of each person. And, Lord, let us realize what love's all about. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we ask that your blessing would be upon it. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me, if you would, please, to Ephesians 5. I made reference of it last night during our uh, Valentine's banquet, Ephesians 5. And I just want to say again to uh, Diana for heading that up and what a lovely time it was, what a great time we had. And uh, I'm tired. I just want you to know that I'm exhausted today. But I'm glad we had it. It was fun and it will always be a memory. And the Newlywood game and some of your answers will always be forever a memory. But I must tell you this, that we played a game and it was charades and it was just hysterical. 
and it was a great time, and I'll tell you, some of you did a great job of, of letting us understand what it's like to be you, and so we're thankful for it. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 25 and 20 through 26. It says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. That means full-time. That doesn't mean part-time. That means in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. It says that he might sanctify it, set it apart, and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. A couple had been debating the purchase of a new auto for weeks. He wanted a new truck. She wanted a fast little sports-like car so she could zip through traffic fast and get to where she was going he would probably have settled on any beat-up old truck, but everything she, she seemed to like was way out of their price range. Look, she said, I want something that goes from zero to 204 seconds or less. And my birthday's coming up, so you should surprise me. You truly love me, you'll get it for me. So for her birthday, he bought her a brand new bathroom scale. Wrong choice for him. Services will be at the local funeral home on Monday. That's tomorrow, February 19th. Due to the condition of the body, this will be a closed casket service. Isn't that something? Zero to 204. Well, men, are you listening? Man, that's what love's all about. We must listen. And now, this, listen, ladies, just because I brought up, you know, I need a new car and this is what I deserve doesn't mean you run out and get it. But often we don't listen. We don't listen to our spouse. We, the spouse, we don't submit to one another and honor one another. And so we lose, lose perspective. What does love have to do with marriage? A whole lot, and especially if you ask your wife, she'll tell you. A newspaper columnist and minister tells of a wife who came into this office full of hatred towards her husband. I don't only want to get rid of him. I want to get even. And before I divorce him, I want to hurt him as much as he has hurt me. Doctor suggested an ingenious plan. Go home and act as if you really love your husband. Tell him how much he means to you. Praise him for every decent trait. Go out of your way to be as kind, considerate, and generous as possible. Spare no efforts to please him, to enjoy him, make him believe you love him. After you've convinced him of your undying love and that you cannot live without him, then drop the bomb. Tell him that you're getting a divorce. That will really hurt him. With revenge in her eyes, she smiled and exclaimed, Beautiful, beautiful. Will this ever be a surprise? And she did it with enthusiasm, acting as if for too much she showed love, she showed kindness, she listened, and she gave, she did all the reinforcing and she shared. When she didn't return after some time, the doctor called, Are you ready now to go through the divorce? Divorce, she exclaimed. Never. I discovered I really do love him. And you see what happened? Her actions had changed her feelings. Motion resulted in emotion. You have to work hard at it. You have to put into it. 
There's a book out called Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. He wrote, do not waste your time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you are behaving as if you loved someone, you will presently come to love him or her. Isn't that amazing? How God changes that within us. And the same is true in our marriage. We must continue to perform acts of love whether we want to want to or not and eventually whether we do love or we do not we will come to love our mate so i couldn't help but put down a couple thoughts for you men husbands so you don't like picking up after yourself we'll do it anyway you don't like helping out around the house so just do it anyway you don't like some of the tv programs that your wife likes watch some of them anyway hey i have watched a lot of lifetime movies together with becky just not Chicago Fire, Law and Order, and some of those other ones. I know. That's why I said just not Chicago Fire. See, you guys asked who your favorite actress was. I know who my wife's favorite actor is. <laughs> yeah. Wives. It may be that you don't like the fact that your husband loves to hunt. Let him hunt anyway. In fact, you might even join him. He might shock him and perhaps maybe even embarrass him if you do show up. Wives, you may not like some sports on TV that your husband likes. Watch some of them anyway. Then ask so many questions about the game so that he may never want to watch it again. <laughs> Seriously, please do some things with your mate and for your mate that you know would bless them. And you just might be surprised at how much more loving they are to you and how much more love you will grow with them. So what's love got to do with it? A bunch. What's love got to do with raising kids? You're like, oh no, here he goes. Listen to what God's Word has to say. A whole lot. A big bunch. Raise up a child in the way he or she should go when they're old, they won't. Depart from it. How is love demonstrated in raising our children? We do it. We discipline in love. What in the world? What, what, what were my parents thinking? Son, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Yeah, right. I know how much it hurt when that came down upon my rear end and I was screaming and crying and I wasn't doing a Holy Ghost dance. I was doing a dance. That's love. Disciplining, refining, teaching some boundaries and some structure within the home. Little Johnny had misbehaved badly. Not only had he misbehaved, but he also smarted off to his, man, I'm, I'm backwards here. Let me move my papers here. I'm, I'm like, what's going on here? Smarted off to his mother, so his daddy turned him over his knee and spanked him. With tears in his eyes, he ran to his mom saying, Mama, you should have married Jesus. He loves little children. <laughs> well, it's very true that Jesus does love little children. He also approves of loving discipline. Proverbs 13, 24 says this, He that spareth his rod hates his son, but he who loves him is prompt to discipline him. And let me correct something. For some of you that do not know this, where spare the rod, spoil the child. Please do not do this because people will say that you go to New Hope. That is nowhere in the Bible. I just wanted to tell you this. I know this is like uh, you can hear the Hallelujah Choir singing in the background like, wow, what a profound thought. But really it's not in there. But they actually get it from this verse, Proverbs thirteen twenty four: He that spareth, his, spareth the rod hateth his son. Proverbs three eleven through 12 says, My son... 
Do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent His rebuke because whom the Lord loves, He disciplines as a father, the son, He delights in. Amazing, isn't it? I'm convinced that loving discipline includes an occasional spanking or swat. When children are small, sometimes they, they only think that will get their attention and speak their language. Of course, I was raised with that kind of discipline and never got as much as I deserved. My sister did. I mean, I needed more. And even my girls, you know, now that they're older, I mean, it's really hard to spank Caitlin. She's going to be 19. But uh, if you dis- if, that's right. If you discipline your children at a, at a young age, and I'm not talking beat your kids. I'm talking love them. If you discipline them, you'll teach them respect. And by the time that they're older, you won't have to spank them. You won't have to discipline them in, in such harsh ways. Now, we do um, discipline our children. And you know what's great now? Society has brought what iPods and iPhones and telephones. And isn't it great to take them? It's like torture to your child. <laughs> I, that is better than a spanking. I loved it. And I was trying to look for it in Scripture last evening. Where does it say for texting and, and cell phones? I couldn't find it, but I knew what the Lord meant through His Word. I mean, it is true. I mean, take it away from them, and, uh, and it's amazing what it'll do. And I do remember disciplining my girls. I remember uh, the moments when they did wrong, but, but listen to me. I didn't take those moments out of anger because they broke, you know, the, the $35 vase or whatever. But I still remember as, as a dad going back to the girls and just sitting them on my lap and telling my daughters, you know what, I love you. And you have to understand the reason why you got a spanking, because it made me feel good. No, that's not what I told them. But the reason why you got a spanking and we disciplined you was because, you know what, I don't want you to grab a hold of something again. Do you know that, that base could have cut you? Or I don't want you to touch the oven you know, oftentimes, you, you don't even have to discipline your children because if you do touch an oven, they just got disciplined, they'll never touch it again. But that's love. Loving your children. So we must discipline our children in love. Ephesians 6.4 says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children. That, you know, that really resonated in my heart and my life as, as a young father. Father, do not provoke your children. Instead, bring them up in the, listen, nurture training and admonition and the instruction of the Lord. We teach our children what is right and proper because we love them. And how do we do that? How do we teach them true love and the love of our Father? How? Prayer, faithfulness to raising your kids in church, a relationship with Jesus Christ. How do children learn to give thanks and, and pray? Prayers of thanksgiving. It doesn't happen by accident. I remember teaching our girls that little pattern or the, you know, the little prayer, the motto prayer that all of us say, Lord, and I thank you for this food. Bless it to my body. Amen. You know, you teach them those little principles. Do you know coming to church and bringing your family to church? How many of you have noticed that when things go wrong, oftentimes you don't come? You just, you, you kind of desert it. It's not a part of your life. But you know who's watching? Your audience, your children. And they're saying, wait a minute, mom and dad love God that much, but they won't. Take us to church during this time of adversity in our life. Listen, we need to run to God as the prodigal son did because he's always there loving to pick you up. And we're going to be disciplined because we're sinners saved by grace. And it's because of the cross of Calvary, the blood that was shed. And that's why I brought this out, because it was his love 
that was bestowed upon Calvary that was showed for us and bestowed for us. That's amazing. It's a pondering thought. That's because of the love that our Father has for His children. He's just waiting for you to accept Him and be a part of His life. At our home, we always go around the table and we ask for prayer. Oftentimes, the girls will take a deep breath and they'll say, What about you? Are you going to pray? Or often, they'll say, Lindsay, okay, it's Megan's turn. Megan says, I prayed the last seven times for you. You know, so, but, but we've got to teach them. So what are you doing? Are you teaching your children? Are you answering their questions about God? Are you answering their questions about Christ in the Bible? And are you teaching them anything at all about Christ and living the Christian life? I received a call recently about our podcast ministry said, Todd, thanks for the sermon. I'm going to listen to it on the way to work and share it with my family. And here's what he said. He's going to share it with his family. Isn't it amazing? It's exactly what Leslie said. She's over here pouring all this stuff, adding sin into a bottle. And we'll talk about gossip, lying, chilling, stealing. It's because I went to bed so late. Thank you, Lord. Stealing. Is stealing a word? That's going to be my new, my new vocabulary of words. But stealing that we, we, we realize that we lose focus and, and that sin encompasses our life. When that happens, then we lose focus of who Christ is and what our example is to our family. But God's going to discipline us for the sin that's in our life. Don't look at it as He hates your guts. Look at it as He loves you. And as we raise our children, He's still raising you. I know that at 42 years of age, I know God's still raising me. And I'm still learning some pondering thoughts through his words. Listen what this says. I don't even know where I'm at here. I told you it's one of those days. You ought to try it sometimes. Go to bed as late as I did. And you'll just lose it. I said to my prayer ministry team this morning, help me to stay focused today because I need it. And uh, I'm over here, I believe. We must discipline our children in love. Unbelievable. It's because I didn't put my little pink thing up here that I'm all over the place. And something happened this morning, which I'll share with you guys shortly, that I really think is a pondering thought in my life. And I'm going to share this story because I'm actually at this point where this story is, is a, a pivotal moment in life. A dad. Men, I want you to examine your heart and in your life right now. And ask yourself the question, what is it that I'm doing? Am I setting an example for my children? Am I doing what I'm supposed to do? For example, I remember well my dad's hard work at ODOT and the work he put into his rentals and home improvement company. I always appreciated it, but I also remember his smoking, which was not a good example. I never did like that, not as a child nor as an adult. I knew it was a bad habit and unhealthy, and it also contributed to his death at age 67. How sad is that? I also remember that my dad drank quite often. I always said he wasn't a drunk, but he did drink, and occasionally he would drink some hard liquor. I also remember that my dad didn't go to church very often. It was pretty rare. On the other hand... I remember that my mother was fairly faithful to take us to church and Sunday school. 
And it wasn't just church, it was also Sunday school. And often we were encouraged to go to the youth meetings on Sunday nights. But more than anything, I remember as a little boy, I fell out of a car at age six on my head. As the car was moving, I fell out of it. It's because my twin sister shoved me out of it. No, just kidding, she didn't. And I remember my mom and dad were divorced. And I remembered as a little boy, as I closed my eyes, and think about that, that pivotal moment in my life, putting aside all the negativity, putting aside everything that dad did and what he went through. I remember I was in the emergency room, or I mean in the surgery room. And remember all these lights and all the doctors and nurses around me. And I can still picture as a little boy, as I turned my head to the right, there was a window and guess who was standing there? My dad. It wasn't that he was provoking me to anger. He was provoking me to love. He was always faithful. And do you know that has been seared in my mind since I was a little boy? Six years of age. It was a tragic thing for me going down the road. Thank God they didn't run me over. And that I'm here today to share the wonderful love story of God but to know that even with mom and dad being divorced, that mom called dad up on the phone. And I looked out that window, and as I'm laying there thinking, there's my daddy. Because it was important to me to see that love exhibited to me as a child. Man, have you forgotten your responsibility of love? Have you forgotten your responsibility to be there when you need to be there for your family? And I mean that as well to you mothers. Are you there when your kids don't expect you to be there? Do you show up and do you miraculously appear in a time when they don't expect you there? And my third point and last point is, what's love got to do with life? 1 Corinthians 16, 13, 14 says this, Be on your guard, stand fast, be firm in the faith, quick, you like men, it says to be brave like men. Be strong. Let all your things be done with love. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, Be followers, imitators of God. As dear children, walk in love just as Christ loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. A high school girl, about her attitude was as big as she was. She said, that's my sister. That's what you call foot and mouth. And our mouths can get us into trouble or cause us to be sin. And what this is, what I'm trying to say is, in this illustration, I was sitting on a choir, in a choir loft or whatever, and this girl came in. And this girl was sitting next to me, and I said, you know what? I just don't like that girl. I was a freshman in high school. And I said, matter of fact, I don't even like the way she dresses. Yes, I said that, and go ahead and say, that was very unlovely. And it was very unlovely. You know what I did? I judged her. And God humbled me immediately. And here's what he said. Hey, Todd, that's my child. And he reminded me, because the girl sitting next to me looked at me and said, really, that's my sister. Isn't it amazing 
Leslie was right, what gossip does. How it tears us apart. Be very careful what you say. Be very careful what you say to people. James 3.2 says, We all stumble in many ways. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us and we turn about their whole body. Teachers, parents, elders, and friends, be careful what you say and how you say it. What you say and what you don't say are both very important. Proper speech is not only saying the right words at the right time, but it's also controlling your desire to say what you shouldn't. Examples of an unbridled tongue include gossiping, putting others down, bragging, manipulating, false teaching, exaggerating, complaining, flattering, and lying. Before you speak, ask, is what I want to say true? Is it necessary? And is it kind? Ephesians 4.29-32 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouths, but only what is good for the use of what? Edifying, that it may minister grace into the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed to the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, all rage, all anger brawling and slander, along with every form of malice, be kind and compassionate one to another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, has, God, has also forgiven you. We are to build up one another, not tear down one another. But unfortunately, for some of us Christians, we tear down. We don't show love. We don't exhibit love like we should. I was thinking this morning as I was looking over my text, it says this, as a horse is bridled, we need to watch our tongues because it affects the hearer. And when you have a horse, you can steer it right, left, or right. That's the same thing in our life. Be careful because what you say can detour somebody off a good path that they're leading. We gossip, we say things that we shouldn't be saying. Why do we tear people down? And why do we have so many stinking expectations? God wants us to love. You know why we gossip? You know why we tear down people instead of build them up? Because it's our pride in our life. And when pride creeps in, then love takes a side. It steps to the right or it steps to the left. Are you loving like you should be loving? I love the old poem that says it best. I saw them tearing a building down, a gang of men in a busy town. With a ho-heave-ho and a lusty yell, they, swing, they swung a beam and the sidewall fell. I asked the foreman, are these men skilled as the men you would hire if you had to build? He laughed and said, no, indeed, just common labor is all I need. I can easily wreck in a day or two what builders have taken a year to do. Isn't it, isn't it a, a pondering thought? What we say and how we say it, even to your children, to your spouse, to others, can tear down, but it takes a year to build. When we go get ready to build this, we're not going to have it up in a week. It's going to take some time to build the addition to this church. But it's very easy what Satan can do when he comes in and wants to try to destroy what God's trying to build up. Please be careful to love one another. 
Proverbs 10:12 says, Hatred stirs up dissension, but love covers over all sins. And hatred or anger, we often speak the wrong words, but love overcomes wrongdoing. Brothers and sisters, we must love people with our speaking and in our speaking. We must build up one another and bless one another. And this is one reason why I enjoy so very much saying to people, the Lord bless you, or when you walk away, say, be blessed. I'd much rather bless someone in that way than curse them with a bad or negative word. I remember being in a store and I said to somebody, I said, be blessed. And as I walked away, the lady says, I'll receive that. I stopped and I was like, wow, that was amazing. When I say to you, God bless you, isn't that awesome? We're not talking about a sneeze, but I'm talking about the blessings of God being upon your life. It's a moving and pondering thought. All of us need to be very careful. It says in Galatians 5, 13, 14, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law summons up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. There it is. Serve one another in love. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Of course, sometimes we serve, but we do not do it in love. We do it in complaint. We do it in grouchiness. We do it in a spirit of negativity. We may do it thinking, do I have to do this? But Jesus served in love. This morning, I can't explain it. And I can't explain the text that the Lord had us read. But when I look at this text, I think the Lord really spoke to me this morning in regard to an issue. Because when, when you look at his word, and if you would please, go back to Romans 13. I'm going to stop for just a minute. I want to focus on this text as we conclude. It says in verse 10, Love works no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of his sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in the chambering of wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ to make not provisions for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Now I'm just going to take a moment and share this story with you. I will tell you that this morning at 2 o'clock as I was sitting in my office, that I didn't realize what this text was for today. And I know this is a new year for me as your pastor and as a new person. Until this morning when I read this text and God moved within my spirit. And it says there, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting or in drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and not make provisions for the flesh. I know that man was here before. And that black gentleman that walked in our church, I know who he is. 
And I felt very saddened for him. And I was aware of who he was, Becky. And I appreciate, Brother Jerry, you overlooking who this man was. But it was very difficult. I normally come in the back doors, but I came in, in these doors over here. Because this man said to me, man, Todd, get your act together here. That's not what he said. I'm saying it to myself. When he walked in, he said, can I talk to you? And I'm thinking, why is this man here again? He met me here about a year and a half ago. And he told me a story of his mom. And I, I did remember that I think he was telling me a story. But I also remembered a father who told me stories too who made me believe that he never had a problem. And I realized today that when that alcoholic came in my office, I knew why he was here. I knew as soon as I saw who he was, and I asked him, I said, Willie, sit down. And he said, do you remember me? I said, yes, I remember you. And I asked Taylor and him to close my door. And he said to me, I need some money, you know, to, for my family, and I'm in this cell group and blah, blah, blah. And he said, I knew your dad. And one thing I learned from my dad was that he loved people. And that it didn't matter if you were rich, if you were poor. If you were red, yellow, black, or white. And here's the quote that he said to me. This was Willie this morning. He said, you know, your dad always said, that's my best friend from Akron, Ohio. Well, how does he know my dad? Because my dad owned two bars in Ravenna. And as he sat there, I pondered in my heart, and I knew how much money I had in my pocket. And I knew right at that moment, God was convicting me. And I said to him, I said, let me go ask my officers. So I walked out of the office. I closed the door. And I said to myself, give me the money. So I reached in, took all I had. And I even asked Miss Leslie, I said, do you have a couple bucks we can add with this? I knew what he was doing. I knew where he was headed. But it wasn't about that. It was about love. It was about ex exhibiting love in a way that God's loved us. I can't be in control of people's unloveliness. And I don't know why God brought you here today. We all deal with a hurt, a hang-up, or a habit. But I know we're reminded What's love got to do with it? And last night, as Pastor Chris and I, we were taking that cross out and he helped me carry it out here, I was reminded of the love that my Savior had for me on a cross. And when I was putting those hearts in each side of that, I thought about the blood of Jesus Christ. But at the same time, as that man walked in this morning, and I said with our ministry team, I said, I want you to hear a song that I listened to during my prayer time. It's called, He is here. He is among us. 
And maybe you just walk through life, going through the religious aspects of your religious freedoms that you have, and and you come to church and you play church. But today, I felt like I served as Jesus served. I don't know if that man needed a sandwich. I don't know where he was going or what he was doing. That's not for me to know. But if I can look at him and say, God loves every man. And ask myself the question, Todd, do you love every person? It's a pondering thought for every one of us. Because we have people that are unlovely around us. And above all, his word says to love. And maybe I'm moved today in my spirit. And maybe this message doesn't resonate to you. And that's okay. But if God's speaking to you today and he brought you to this appointed time in this service, because you've been dealing with some hatred and some anger in your life, then I want you to love. And I want you to know that love is an act. Love is showing somebody that you care for them. And I knew as that man walked out of my office this morning, I may never see him again, but I know one thing for certain, that he'll know and that he saw the love of Christ. Do people see God in your life? Do they know who Jesus is because of your life? As a pastor, I can say I love you and I pray for you and I want what's best for you. But are we really realizing what does love got to do with it? What's love have to do with our walk? What's love have to do with our talk? And I'll conclude with these scripture verses. In Colossians chapter 3, it says this, Therefore, as the elect of God, you are God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, dearly beloved, tender mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, he says, put on these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And he says in 1 Peter 4, 7 through 8, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all things, have fervent love among yourselves because love covers over a multitude of sins. We should live life expectantly because Christ is coming. Getting ready to meet Christ involves continually growing in love for God and for others. Jesus even asked Peter, how much do you love me? And Peter replied the third time, I love you dearly. How much love do you have for our Savior that spread his arms and he opened them wide? And said, this is how much love I have for you. Let's all stand as we pray. Father, we come to you today and we're humbled, Lord, by your acts of love and service that that you show us. That you demonstrate for each and every one of us. 
Father, thank you for Calvary. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for what brings us to this place. This place where our hearts are turned back to you. This place where love is an act where we can demonstrate it. Father, we're just sinners saved by grace and there's not one any better than another in this room. But Father, I pray that you'll help all of us to demonstrate the love that you've showed us. For Father, you've come, you've healed. You've changed hearts. You've changed lives. And Father, today I just pray that if someone's struggling today, that in freedom and in victory, they know that it's because of Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice that gives us hope and gives us life. May they take off the coat of religion and put on the coat of relationship today. For today, Father, marriage takes three. And without you being a part of it, we'll never be able to sustain a happy, full life. And Father, today, thank you for always using me and using others to teach me a lesson of true love. And Father, as your word says, you sent your only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Father, if there's somebody here that does not know you as Lord and Savior, may they come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we will honor you during this time of reflection. Lord, as we turn our hearts back to you, thank you that you came to serve and not be served. In your name we pray. Amen. Sing with